The Football Trash Talk for Real Fans podcast is a free-flowing conversation that may touch on mature subjects. While the opinions are real, the research probably isn't, and somehow Atticus will find a way to talk about the Knicks. And here we go. He trumped dudes. It wasn't just in a preseason game. He did it pretty consistently. (laughs) He left dudes saying, what happened? You better put some respect on his name when we're talking about (laughs) the champion, Davion Clowney. And I'm just going on eye test here, right? Like, I like the look of this coaching staff, you know? All right, enough of this. Let's see what kind of shit we get into today. (laughs) Are you high? Boy, it's all yours. Let's just dive right into it, man. Like, you know, fortunately for Atticus, we already did the Giants game because that was a Thursday night game. So we already recapped that heading into the weekend. Um, some really good games over the weekend. Uh, a couple of surprises, you know, based off of where we were going into the season, who we thought was going to do what. And, uh, you know, I think one of those would be, you know, the first game would be the Bengals and Bears, right? So the Bengals, they're both one and one now. Bears beat them 20 to 17. Their defense looks like it's back. All right. Thoughts on that game? Anybody? Other than Dalton getting injured, because we can get into that. Talk about fields coming over. So, I mean, I will, I'll give the Bengals this. Um, I think they're a lot better than I would have thought they were going to the season. Even though they lost this game, it took Burrow throwing three interceptions and four passes or whatever it was for, for it to kind of happen. And even then, even then, after throwing three straight interceptions, uh, he they, they still had a chance at the end, right? So, I mean... Justin Fields got into that game. Um, you know, typical typical start for a rookie, I feel like. He didn't do anything. Too, I mean, they still won the game, but he, you know, he he did what he did. I think he, like, threw for, like, 60 yards and maybe had a run or something like that. And a pick. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll say this. My, my takeaway from that game, even though they lost, is I think the Bengals are, are definitely a lot harder of an – like, they definitely seem to be one of those teams that has become sneaky good, like – they're, they're, they're going to be like the best worst team this year. Yeah, I guess is the, the way I would phrase that. They're, they're going to be one of the better bad teams uh, in the league. Their record might still be crappy by, by the end of it, but they're going to like, it's going to be a lot tighter playing than, than I think a lot of teams are going to feel comfortable doing. I don't see them being one of the worst teams. I see them being middle of the pack. They're playing some pretty good football right now. You know, and they have a, a Pote offense, other than three picks in a game. But, uh, you know, it, it's just one of those things where they're in a really tough division. They got to play the Steelers, the Browns, and the Ravens twice. And, uh, you know, chances of them splitting those games are probably slim. Um, you know, but they're not, I don't think they're going to lose all six. So. You know, it's uh, it's going to be an interesting team. They'll finish last in the standings unless something crazy happens. Like, uh, I mean, Pittsburgh's got to worry. Apparently, Roethlisberger has a, a, a deltoid or a pectoral injury going on right now. And that, that can't be good. So, you know, I, I, I see Cincinnati being sneakily middle of the pack. 
Yeah, I, I definitely think they're going to be better than uh, than I thought. But like I said, better than advertised going into the season. I have no comment on either one of these teams and it, or, or that game, rather. I didn't see much of it. I just saw some of the highlights. I think that uh, the Bears have done the honorable. While it's probably a good thing that they started um, Andy Dalton uh, they told him they brought him over to be the starting quarterback. Then they they made a uh, spent some draft capital to get Justin Fields, who's highly touted coming into the league this year. I think he's definitely their future. They got rid of um, Tr- Trubisky, who's now a backup in Buffalo. Um, I think that Justin Fields showed that he could spend some time sitting on the bench and learning from a starting quarterback. I think that that has actually proven to be a good idea for a lot of quarterbacks who found success in this league. And it showed he really needs to to continue to learn. He didn't play terrible, um, but I I still don't know that he's going to be the solution right now for them. I think they're going to build. Is you can't just gloss over three picks, though, for Joe Burrows. You know, we talk about the they looked a little bit better than we thought they would. Three picks is still three picks. If that were Danny Dimes, people would be like, pull him now. Put Glennon in, draft your future quarterback. Or some other quarterbacks, too. They'd be saying the same thing. Three picks is still three picks. I don't care how you dress that one up. That's tough. But I do think that the, um, the Bengals' defense – is probably going to hold them over enough until the uh, Cincinnati Bengals get their legs under them. And we don't know when that's going to be. Maybe the fourth or fifth week of the season. I think that's going to be um, the the, the play, uh, team's true identities will be revealed come week four and five where there are question marks. Certain teams, you already know who they are. But those teams who've got new coaching staffs, new an entirely new offensive line. Like Kansas City has it. They, every player on their offensive line is brand new this year. We really don't know who they are, though they've started the season pretty well. And I think that same thing holds true with uh, Cincinnati as a whole. So, you said something really interesting there, and I think it's a nice segue, right? Like I don't, I don't think we need to spend a whole lot of time talking about the the Bengals and the and the Bears, but you said. You know, it's going to take them a little bit of while to get their feet under them, right? Uh, let's talk about a team that does have their feet under them, you know, and that would be the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And, you know, just how in sync they really look. Like, I mean, I don't know what Gronkowski did when he retired. I thought he went out to L.A. and partied a lot. He must have made a trip to Florida, found a fountain of youth or whatever it might be. But, like, if you take his last three games – heading into the playoffs and then his first two games going into this season, like he, he is a force to be reckoned with and him and Tom Brady are in sync, like just because they play together for so long and it's, and it's, it's noticeable how well they're playing, but then there's the rest of the team, man. like Tampa Bay looks like they might be unbeatable. It's just my thought. So I'm going to disagree on that just because until the defense kind of stepped up there in the last, in the like last half of the, the fourth quarter, that was a 25, 28 ball game against the Atlanta Falcons, a team that just got squashed by your Eagles the week before. 
Um, you know, I, I will say they closed it out, and, but I, I, that's one of those games to me that jumps out where the final score doesn't look as close as the game was, in my opinion. Because like I said, up until like they had a pick six and then there was another defensive thing that led to an easy score. Up until that point, it was 25-28 in the fourth. Um, and then their defense kind of, you know, shut the door late against the Falcons. Um, I'm not going to say, I'm not saying they're not great. I'm not saying they're not a, a, a good, strong Super Bowl contender. I think saying they looked unbeatable, maybe, maybe a bit stretched for me at this point. Well, that's why they play, right? That's why they play 60 minutes. You know what I mean? That's why a football game is 60 minutes and you can't give Tom any time in the fourth quarter. You just can't because it really doesn't, it doesn't matter. Go ahead. No, no, I was just going to say the fact that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers put a 40 burger up on these people uh, should say a lot too. We're still talking about the Atlanta Falcons and it's not to diminish the career that Matt Ryan has had, but he's at the tail end of a career where he is not playing his best football either. Um, granted, the the bucket and part of the, the Buccaneers' success that they're experiencing this year is carryover. Remember, there was a lot of restructuring of contracts for those guys to all stay together this year. They did a great job of keeping that team together. I think every starter. Every one of them returned. So the shortened preseason, maybe starters across the league getting to play 15 snaps at best per team, they they looked real good. But again, we're still very early in the season. And injuries is something that will shift a team from doing great to holy shit what happened real fast. And I'm not saying that, I mean, there'd have to be a few injuries on that team the way that they're playing right now, but are we really seeing who they're going to be moving forward? It's a 17 game season. And there's some players on that team that are aging too. And they're probably, their tank's going to start to get a little depleted and you're going to have to start managing minutes and plays and stuff like that as we get deeper into the season. So I don't know. Do they look unbeatable right now? You're fucking right. They do. They look damn good. Gronkowski looks like uh, what's the kid? Pitts is his name. The 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 tight end from that's in Atlanta right now. He looks like he's his age, playing ball the way you expect him to play ball right now. And and he's playing pretty well too, by the way. Um, but can that carry through for seventeen games? I don't know. And I agree with what Chris said. I mean, it was against the Atlanta Falcons. The defense didn't wake up until. Thank God they did for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers sake. But I just don't know that I believe that they're going to be like the the 2011 New England Patriots, which were probably the most unbeatable, unbelievable team I've ever seen. But um, they look good now. Can't deny that. So we mentioned the Falcons, right? Mm -hmm. And I'll segue to the Eagles a little bit. I don't want to talk too much about it, but I'll, I'll chime in here and there. They uh, they held Atlanta to six points. So maybe Philly's defense is better than people gave them credit for. 
They have an unfortunate injury, though. You know, they're losing Brandon Graham for the season. He's done. Yeah, that's a tough loss. Uh, you know, they have Josh Sweat, who who is a nice bonus to have in Didn't that they rotation. They just restructure his uh, contract yeah. also? It, yeah. it gave him the bag. It gave him some money. And Barnett. So, like, Barnett needs Barnett to me is the one that needs to step up and, and fill the void. Because I think Sweat's going to do it, right? But, like, you know, the Eagles defense, man, they only gave up 17 against San Fran. So, you know, six against Atlanta, it's Atlanta. Uh, but Matt Ryan's still Matt Ryan. He still threw for 300 yards, you know, against Tampa Bay, against a Super Bowl-winning defense. Um, you know, so it's, it's, it is early in the season. It's just I, the way that, that Brady's playing, I don't, I don't think he's going to, I don't think he's going to lose. Not much. You know, I'm not going to sit here and say they're going to go undefeated, but to me, they are the team to beat. Close second would be the Rams in the NFC. So, again, I, I know we're two, two games into the season, but are there any teams that are either 2-0 or 0-2 that are kind of surprising? Um, I think the Raiders, the Raiders being 2-0, especially considering who they've beaten, uh, one being the, uh, you know, the Super Bowl can uh, you know a Super Bowl contender in the Ravens, and then coming back and beating uh, the Steelers, um, you know, on the road. I think that I think that's uh, pretty impressive. I don't know if you would have told me they would be one of the last remaining. Uh, there's a lot of one and one teams. I was just scrolling through the records really quick, um, and of the two and O teams, which as of right now are the Broncos, Raiders, Niners, and Cardinals, and Panth. Okay, the Cardinals. I, I didn't. I didn't catch the Cardinals there. Yeah. So the Cardinals. I mean, the Cardinals. I guess I would say look to be the best all around two and O team. But the 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 as of right now, and I'm not saying that ultimately we're gonna. I, I think the Raiders are better than the 49ers. But just through two games, I think they've looked better than the 49ers. Um, you know, the 49ers gave up 30, 30 something points to the Lions, and then turned around the next week and. Only, you know, it was a tight game up until the, you know, again, the fourth quarter with the with the Eagles. Now, I think they ended up covering that Eagles game, right? Because I think the line was three and a half. But that game was in doubt until the end. I mean, the Eagles made that late score. Um, and and I, I kind of agree with you. I think maybe the Eagles defense is a little bit better than we thought yeah. they were going to be. Yeah. Um, you know, the 49ers did put up. 40 something the week before on the, on the lions. And then they came back, you know, then they turned around and only gave up. Uh, we're only able to get 17 on the, uh, on the Eagles. So maybe there is something to that, but uh, yeah, I, I think the Raiders surprised me at two and O and, and uh, Panthers too. I'm surprised they're two and O. Yeah. Well, you know, what's funny is uh, you want to talk about crashing back to earth. Uh, Jameis Winston. Uh, yeah. How about it? <laughs> Talk about a tale of two halves there. Um, yeah, somebody tried to make a trade with him in, in the league the other day. Someone, someone had interest in him, so I was like, all right, I'll trade him. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, I mean, at Detroit, you know, they're 0-2, but, like, they held their own for a minute in Green yeah. Bay last night, you know, it, and that's no tall feat if you look at everything all together, right? Like, if you look at it all combined – you know, you knew that Rodgers was going to come out and play well. You knew the team was going to play different. 
it's at home, it's in Green Bay. Like that's just not going to happen. That's not that's not Aaron Rodgers style. Um, you know, and and Detroit, you know, they held on for a little while until you know, it's like that, you know, if we're going to talk about the Tampa Bay score didn't, you know, give justice to the game. The the Monday night game last night didn't really give justice to the game. That was a really interesting game until Green Bay just pulled away at the end. You know, um, so them putting up 40, you know, against Detroit, when we were talking about San Francisco, I'm not certain there. Detroit has a stellar defense. I'm more interested in, in like the Eagles and how they played, right? Like, I think the game was a defensive ball game, you know, without a doubt. You know, um, neither quarterback threw for 200 yards. Uh, I think the Eagles rushed for over 100 yards as a team, but, but, a large part of that was Jalen Hurts. Um, and, you know, they held San Francisco's running game in check as well. Um, you know, not a moral victory kind of person. Eagles shot themselves in the foot a lot. You know, I think that the coach got, you know, caught up in the moment, going for it, you know, instead of just putting three points on the board. You know, I think that, you know, after you throw a 91-yard touchdown, you're at home, let's, let's go for it on fourth down. No, man, take the points. Uh, so that's a rookie coach mistake, you know, and hopefully he'll learn. I don't think that's his, that's not his makeup. That's not his style from what I've seen. So, um, you know, it's just one of those things where, you know, that game could have, you know, I think a lot is said for the Eagles. It's not going to be an easy out for anybody this year. Would Would you have kicked there, Mike? I would have kicked the field goal there. Yeah. It's too early in the game. Would too- you have kicked there, Chris? Yeah, no, I, I would have too. The, the one thing I will say too, not to take anything away from the Eagles defense, but holding the 49ers run game in check, I mean, they're about two injuries away from calling Atticus up and seeing what he's doing next Sunday. So um, they're on like their sixth running back already. So aren't they know. always though? Seriously, aren't they, aren't they always on their sixth running back? Right. Oh, yeah. Sure. I, I was yeah. about to say, I don't know what's up with San Francisco and not being able to like make it through a week without losing five running backs, but here we are. Um, yeah. The, I think they lost like two, like they one running back in the game against the Eagles. And, and yeah, like someone got injured for the season. Another one is out for a couple of weeks. Well, injuries yeah. period are starting to pile up across the league. Yeah. Yeah. I know at one point Adam Schefter put out that like, you know, because Baker Mayfield was uh, it looked bad when it happened. His shoulder like was just like his arm was just like dead. Um, And and I think he was like the fourth quarterback to get injured um, at that point. Um, Apparently Carson Wentz sprained both ankles. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, poor Carson Wentz. There, there goes that draft pick. Hope you weren't banking on it, but do you think you think maybe he knows and he's just doing this on purpose? Like, how do you sprain both your ankles? I think he's going to try to play on someday. Yeah, I don't think they should play him. They shouldn't. Yeah, but I think I think that you know, just from history, like he's not one to sit on the bench. Let me just let me let me walk it off. Yeah, you know, rub some dirt on it. I'll be all right. Yeah, you know, and that's probably part of his problem. But, you know, the, the other part of his problem is, is like, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't get rid of the ball. He holds on to it way too long, which makes him susceptible to hits that he doesn't need to be taken. You know, and, and it's just, that's, that's, that's how he's made up. It's in his DNA. 
And no one's been able to change that, you know, but like you look at uh, Rivers last year at quarterback for Indianapolis, how many times he got sacked versus the pace that Wentz is on right now, you know, and the line is essentially the same, you know, so it's, it's a Carson Wentz problem. You know, it's not a, it's not an offensive line problem. I think in Philly, it was probably a little bit of both. But like he doesn't, he just doesn't like the well, throw his ball. His style of play in Philly was a little different, too. I mean, he did a lot of improvising back there in Philly, and I mean, some of the things that he was able to escape from were unbelievable. <laughs> and then the coaching staff, it looked like they tried to change his game to something that just wasn't Carson Wentz, and that's when you started to see the decline and it probably started in the locker room with him resisting the change that they were trying to coach him to do. So, you know, and before he came out of the game, he wasn't playing bad against the Los Angeles Rams, which, you know, I think preseason, we all agreed was one of the tougher defenses in the league. They're they're moving the ball. Like, I don't want to say easily, but they, they were, I mean, they, they were getting first downs. They were going up and down the field um, about as easy as you can against the Rams anyway. Um, yeah, it wasn't until Wentz went out and, uh, whoever came in that that's when it all kind of started to fall apart. And even then, I think that the Rams didn't win by a whole lot, right? What about field goal? Yeah. So, you know, but on the other side of the ball, how seamless a transition for that 2-0 team and their quarterback, right? Like Matt Stafford stepped in and looks like he's been playing there for a decade with those players. And they right. knew it would be that way. It's That's just, why he was willing to give up two first round picks yep. and uh, uh, and his quarterback for him. He knew it. So just to round it out, uh, a couple surprise games. Um, Titans over the Seahawks was somewhat surprising. Although if you watch the end of that game, it felt like the rest were trying to give it to the Seahawks. There was a uh, Julio Jones. Now I, I will say, I had a uh, stated interest in that game because uh, Tannehill is my fantasy quarterback in uh, in our league. So I was kind of paying attention to that game just because at that point, my game was kind of tight. Um, but they had a, a touchdown from Julio Jones called back. They said he was out of bounds, even though if you freeze frame it, which I get they can't do there, but if you freeze frame it, you can see the grass between the end of the end zone and his, uh, his cleat. Uh, in overtime, Russell Wilson uh, was sh- – some like they called intentional grounding, but they said Russell Wilson was not in the end zone, even though in replay he's clearly like a yard into the end zone. Uh, so they didn't get a safety. Now the, the Titans did score and end it on like the next possession after that. But uh, there, there were a couple calls that went, that went the Seahawks way and they weren't able to capitalize. So that game was kind of surprising to me. And then the Cowboys chargers game, I'm sorry. I don't think Dallas won that game so much as the chargers lost it. Yeah. They had, I want to say they had like two touchdowns and a field goal pulled off the board for penalties. Um, and and I want to get into the 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 taunting, the excess taunting uh, penalties here in a minute. But that that was another game that kind of stood out to me as surprising. Um, yeah, I, I just the Chargers at no point looked like you know the Cowboys have a good offense. I'm not going to say they don't, but they were held to 20 points and. The Chargers, the Chargers easily left, like I just said, like 17 points on the field that was taken off from penalties. So 
Um, you also talked about the officiating, and I think across the league, we've seen some really bad officiating this year also. You know, you talked about a couple of things. that They dropped the flag for taunting, and then they had to pick it up because it was moot based on the fact that there was another penalty on the same play, which was enforced. And then they even said, we're not going to enforce the penalty for taunting. Why even bring it up if you're going to decline it anyway by rule for the other one? It was just ridiculous. He talked about you could still see on, you know, the freeze frame. That's why we have instant replay, though. You need to be able to correct stuff like that because the whole nation can't see it. We should not have the ability to see that that was a bad call better than you, the person who can affect the real change. You know, so there's so many different things that have happened um, on the, the wrong side of officiating that has really altered. And not for nothing, you should never put the game in the hands of the officials, right? However, sometimes it happens. I mean, this is the NFL. Sometimes it boils down to that call. Tell that to, who was it, the Rams and the the Saints in a championship game. Mm -hmm. That's why you have that, because you can't have that happen. Right. Well, and and just to piggyback off what you said, you know, in the NFL, the difference between the Vikings and the Cardinals is that, even though most of us would favor the Cardinals in that matchup and they did win the game, the difference is like, you know, half a foot, right? So, I mean, it... These games sure. are going to come down to these refs. And the, the problem that I have with these taunting things is, A, like, okay, there is a line, right? <clears throat> I get that there has to be a line somewhere. For me personally, I've never liked the, the aggressive step over a guy. I, I think that's a bit much. Um, I've never liked that. But, you know, just going back through history, like, football is a, a passionate game, right? And – if you, if you just go back throughout history, like the Mile High Salute, the Icky Shuffle, the Lambo Leap, like we know all these things, all these different celebrations, would those be taunting now? You know what I'm saying? Like, would those be flagged? And we know we know certain things because, you know, some of these moments are iconic. Dion's dancing. Now, there's a difference between that and, say, Terrell Owens running out to the star and posing. That's fine. I get that. But, like... It's a I even like that. What'd you say? I even like that. Did you <laughs> no. like that? It, it, that was yeah. pretty bad. It was bad. <laughs> that was right? bad. He did it twice in the same game, right? But but it's it's wait a minute. That wasn't Dion. That was T.O. Was that it? was T.O. against the Cowboys? Yeah, you know. Yeah, and, um, I just. I never I think came like, full circle when he became you like a cowboy. it because he was in an Eagles uniform when he did it. It was phenomenal. <laughs> when, well, when, I, I just, I, I gets to a point where you're taking you're taking away an aspect of the game that we like. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's one other league that's this strict on celebrating, even though it's not enforced by a ref per se, but like the unwritten rules of baseball, where if you stare at a home run too long or you trot a little too slow and all this stuff. And then you're getting pegged with baseballs. I mean, and who's, you know, look at the viewership, you know what I'm saying? Like it's there. It feels like they're trying to legislate these things out of football. And part of it's what all the, all those things I said were iconic. 
Like, I don't even need to name the player, but if I say mile high salute, you know who I'm talking about. And why the NFL wants to kind of do away with this kind of stuff, I don't don't know that they're trying to do away with uh, end zone celebration type of things. But the taunting, I kind of get it. Like, you don't want to direct it at an individual. But if you just made a one-handed grab in the end zone with 12 seconds left in the game, you're going to show some passion and celebrate. Mm -hmm. What I don't like is when you see the entire defense run down to get in front of the camera in the end zone on a tip pass interception play that, that you got knocked on your ass from an offensive lineman and didn't gain any yardage from. Okay, you intercepted the ball. Get your ass on the sideline. That's what we pay you to do. I don't like that, but the NFL paid them to do that, though. Like that was a COVID thing. Like I they didn't like have, it. I they never didn't have like the cameras it. in the end zone until last year with the screen. They didn't have the screen until last year because they wanted to still have you know that fan interaction because there wasn't anybody in the stands. So the NFL is to blame for that one. That right? was horrible. But like, let's just let's look at the title of our group: football trash talk for real fans, right? Do you think these professional athletes don't talk trash? Trash talk has been synonymous with sports from probably inception. You talk about iconic, who pointed a home run? Whether he actually did or didn't, you know who I'm talking about. That happened in 1923 or whenever it was, right? Like, they've been talking shit for a long time. You know, as long as they don't cross a line, like, you got to be man enough to take your fucking licks, too. Right. Like, you know, you can't be Josh Norman and start swinging because a receiver like, you know, stood over you because he just caught a caught a ball, you know, in tight coverage. You know, that's an exciting play. Right. If the stands are going crazy, if I'm the player, I'm probably going a little bit crazy, too. And, and you know, things just happen naturally. You know, the shit talking is part of the game. And the NFL, to me, is making it the no fun league. Right. They're going to start, you know, throwing flags. It's like they're concentrating on that more so than the calls they should be making. It just makes me think of this meme when they first started, like, flagging receivers for excessive celebration. And there was this meme. It's one of the first memes I ever remember. And it was this picture of, I think, Chris Carter. So that's about how old this meme is. But it was like he just juked, juked the DB out of his boots ran 80 yards in 6.7 seconds and caught a pass between two defenders. Let the guy friggin' dance. Yeah. Like we, we want that stuff. That's what right. we want. Like as much like, again, there are lines, I get it, but it shouldn't be anytime the guy turns around and just does a little flex. Like, sorry, right. that that's not, it, yep. it, you wouldn't even notice 90% of it if it wasn't getting flagged so much last Sunday. Yeah. So I, I think they're, they're overstepping. And they, they need to tone it down. You know what I do like that the league uh, did this season is they have those little uh, goal line orange cone markers at the first down markers with cameras in them now. So you get a better view of when, a, when it's a fourth and inches, third and inches or whatever, you can really see right down that line if that person got that, that first down or not. I think that's pretty cool. Oh, I like it. Go ahead. I'm, no, I just said I like that too. 
Mm-hmm. Right, because it, it's too many times. Like, did this knee go down? Did the ball really cross the plate? Yeah, like, it's you know, it's a touchdown, and we've probably seen more for you know, first and one from the you know, first and goal from the one this year than I think we've seen in a while. At least through two two games, right? Like it's happened a couple times that that I can remember, and I just don't remember seeing that, you know. And it's just uh, it's it's a good call for the NFL to have that camera. Yeah. I like picks this week or no? What's up? What'd you say? Are we doing picks for next week? Yeah, we're going to do Thursday's game. We'll we'll talk about the Thursday night game here in a minute. The one last game I just wanted to touch on, because it was probably the game of the week, was uh, Ravens over Chiefs uh, in Baltimore. Gutsy call. Yeah, gutsy (laughs) call. Uh, I liked it, you know, and... So obviously I follow some Browns boards and there's a lot of talk about, well, as a Browns fan, who should I want to win this game? And my answer was, even though I picked the chiefs to win it going into the game, um, I'm glad the Ravens won because, you know, from a Browns perspective, we play the Ravens twice. We can control our destiny a little bit to that point, even though them starting 0-2 would have been nice, but the chiefs, there's only so many teams the chiefs are going to play. They can legitimately beat them. And the the Ravens are one of them. So I, uh, I'm glad that happened uh, from that, from, you know, the Browns playoffs uh, point of view, but um, that, that was a, that was a gutsy call um, back and forth game. It was, it was a lot of fun to watch. It was a good, you know, prime time Sunday night game. Um, and it's, it's cool. It happened week two. Usually you wait till like week five, six before games like that start to happen. So that's, that's, you know, good, good on the schedule makers for getting that one done right out the gate. Uh, I agree, right? And I think that somebody on this podcast said that Lamar had to have a Mahomes-esque game, right? You know, for a lot of reasons. One, for them to even have a chance to win. But two, just because, you know, he didn't look – he looked human in week one, right? So he didn't do it with his arm, but he certainly did it with his legs, right? And, and like, he made some moves in that game running the ball. Like, I, you know, if if – People think they have Lamar figured out. They need to go back to the video, you know, because he, he continues to do things. It's like Barry Sanders, but he's playing quarterback, right? Like he just got too many moves. He's too slippery. And, you know, he's going to give his team a chance to win the ball game, right? You know, he had almost 400 yards of total offense. It's pretty good. You know, pretty good. I, uh, I thought the Chiefs were going to win. So I was surprised. That, that the Ravens were actually able to pull that one out. Well, they flipped the script on them, too, because usually it's the Chiefs that, like, I think, you know, we talked after the Browns, after the Chiefs beat the Browns, there was, we talked a little bit about how the Chiefs, the last five top, like, like five out of the last six times they've gone in down, you know, 10 plus at half, they come back to win the game. And I'm pretty sure, uh, you know, at halftime or, I'm trying to quickly add up the score, but at one point the, the Ravens were down double digits and they, they came back to win. So, you know, they, they blanked, they blanked the chiefs in the fourth quarter and scored 12 of their own and they needed every one of those 12 points to win. So good on them. Good on them. Somehow they held Tyreek Hill in check. Three catches for 14 yards. is ridiculous. You know, he goes what? Like 17 for 189 to three for 14. That's just, Insane. It's unbelievable. 
Well, they they were essentially, uh, well, like I remember at one point they were talking about during the game. They were essentially like saying, "You can beat us with anyone else. You're not beating us with Tyreek Hill." Like he was basically getting like double, if not triple teamed. He was getting the um, the Megatron treatment, is what yeah. he was getting at that game. So then it worked. So you know, once again, good on them because. The Ravens, you know, I, I think the Ravens had that pedigree of having great defense, but I don't think their defense is like, you know, the. Not, I mean, it's not horrible, but it's not what it was like in the early 2000s that kind of give them the reputation of being a defensive football team, even though I still think when people think of the Ravens, they think defensive football. They do. It's a wild contrast from week one to week two. So week three, I'm really looking forward to, right? Like which teams are going to show up? You know, Steelers, they had, like, it looks like they put out two different squads between week one and week two, at least on defense. You know, it, you know Eagles, I don't know. Giants, they actually, you know, Danny Dimes actually had a really nice game. You know, they just, uh, they let Heineke beat them. You know, and that's, that's terrible. Uh, and they had a big injury on the offensive line. So, you know, it's going to be some weird things going into week three. Thursday night game, though, gentlemen. Think you know, Chris and I were talking a little bit Atticus before we got on. It's gonna be a barn burner, man. We got the Houston Texans and the Carolina Panthers. Right now, Carolina's favored by eight. Over under is forty two. Um, I mean, the Houston Texans are starting Davis Mills, right? And that's another thing we were talking about before we got on. Was uh, Tyrod Taylor just can't catch a break, man? Dude's a good quarterback, you know. Like they weren't expected to start Herbert last year in San Diego. I mean, it worked out for him, but they weren't expected to do that. They were expecting to ride Tyrod for a year. And, did I not say this a week ago about yeah, Tyrod Taylor? He did it's terrible. It always happens to him. It's terrible. I will say in the Browns game, he was, uh, I think, 10 for 11 when he got injured. So, I mean, he was he was doing his Lay thing. Lay it on, Chris. What? Lay it on. <laughs> well, I'm just saying he was he was he was 10, 10 for 11, like 100 and some odd yards and a and a touchdown when he when he went out of that game. So, I mean, like like I said, he's he's Teddy Bridgewater. Teddy Bridgewater got like. Well, Teddy Bridgewater has an injury injury history too. He's just bad luck, Teddy Bridgewater. Teddy's, Teddy's injury isn't as as Teddy's injury was serious, right? Like they didn't think right. he was going to play again. Career ending, you know, right. and and that happened in training camp, you know, and and I don't think he's been injured in season. You know, Tyrod, I don't know what happened in Buffalo, but like he got hurt in Green, he got hurt in Cleveland. You know, whatever week that was, he got hurt. Nothing happened to him in Buffalo. It was a coach's decision to pull him. For EJ Manuel. I can't even remember the quarterback's name he pulled him for. EJ Manuel. No, it wasn't EJ Manuel. It was some other other quarterback. What was his name? Peterson. Peterson. The coach decided that he thought he would be better. Tyrod led them to the playoffs. And wasn't allowed to start, and he thought this other guy was a better, a better option. And Tyrod did the same way I would feel like I'm out of here. I want to play yeah. here, and he left. Yeah. 
And I think he went to Cleveland after that, didn't he? Went to yeah, Cleveland. He went to Cleveland, and then he got injured. Um, at, he got injured on the Thursday night game. Um, that and that was the one where the, the it was against the Bengals. It was the second game of the season. He got injured, and uh, yeah, that's when Baker came in and just never gave it up. After that, and he goes to San Diego. He gets injured. The, the doctor punctures his lung. <laughs> You can't make this up. Right. Sounds like a B movie, (laughs) but it's his life. It's going to be a lifetime movie. The Tyrod Taylor story. (laughs) Put me in, coach. The Tyrod Taylor story. I'm going to start writing a script now. I think I can sell that shit. Oh, my God. (laughs) But I I, I just don't see the Texans having a shot. I mean, what a gift for Carolina, you know? What a gift for them. You just hope that the game will be competitive. You know, I don't know a whole lot about Davis Mills. I know that Tyrod Taylor had them clicking, playing very good football. There was a lot of Houston hopefuls out there <laughs> thinking thinking that, um, what's his name? Deshaun. Deshaun was coming back. Not a chance. They're not playing him. They're, as they're they should. Playing him. No, you can't. You can't. You can't do that. I don't know. How much do you how much fat is there to chew on with this game? Not a whole lot. Right. Like, I think the story is Sam Darnold looks like the quarterback that the Jets drafted. Right. And that says a whole lot for the Jets organization as a whole. Uh, You know, good for him. Hope he keeps it up. Right. Because. I still, I'm still going to, I'll still stick by it. I think he had the most upside of every quarterback coming out in that draft. That's still, you know, now that, uh, that doesn't really bode well for up in Buffalo, right? Like that dude's playing insane, you know, and he's, and he's legit top 10 quarterback, top five, possibly, right? Probably top five right now, but Sam's not playing bad. And he's got some support around him. And he's got McCaffrey. And their defense is, uh, you know, I was watching some highlights earlier. Their defense is, the front four is very stout. Like, they don't need to blitz. You know, and when you don't need to blitz, like, that gives you an advantage. If you still put pressure on the quarterback, I feel real bad for Davis Mills. He's going to get inaugurated for his first NFL start uh, against the defensive front four that's probably going to put him on his back multiple times. You know, I see the, I see the Panthers covering. Uh, I don't think that the Texans can score more than 14 points, and I think the Carolina Panthers can score probably 30. You know, I, I think, uh, I, I think the, the case study here with Sam Darnold is as much as we want to put, you know, say the, it's all about the quarterback position. It's not. You, Sam Dart, like, name any name anything close to Christian McCaffrey. Like, even, like, 50% of Christian McCaffrey that – and Christian McCaffrey hasn't even, like, lit the world on – like, he's, you know, he's got a couple of touchdowns, but he's not lighting the world on fire like he was before he got injured last year. So, I mean, you know, name name anything he had in New York the entire time he was there that was, like – 50% of Christian McCaffrey, you know, like who, who is his best receiver in, in New York? Uh, 
who, who's the guy that's been there forever? And I, he's on my fantasy team. I can't even think of his name. Where? Crowder. Crowder. Yeah. Well, that, that would arguably be his best offensive weapon. I mean, he had Le- Levy and well, he had like the, the corpse of Levy and Bell for a couple of years, right? But that's about it. Like, you know, so I mean, I, I think Sam Darnold is just that case study. And hey, no matter what the, and, and this is why they need to pay attention because you can't, this is why they should all be doing the Tom Brady deal. Like, yeah, I, g- give me the most money on the team. Give me 20 million a year, but I need pieces because Sam Darnold's a case study. You put him on a team, give him two decent weapons and Robbie Anderson and, uh, and Christian McCaffrey. And oh man, now he's going to be three and zero after this week. Um, well, you know, like you, like you said, after, uh, you know, the guy in the Texans, uh, Mills gets, gets flattened by the front four of the, of the Panthers. It's not a lot of fat to chew on this game. Um, you know, it's, it's, you said eight and a half. I'll, I'll, you know what? I'll say Panthers cover and, uh, give me the over on the point. Well, what was the over under 43, 42 or 43. It's, it's tough. Yeah, it's a tough call. I'll take the over on the points just because I see, a, like you said, a 30-14 game. It's not going to be close. Um, yeah, Panthers are going to win this one. It'll be over by halftime. Speaking of Darnold, and speaking of it's still three interceptions, Zach Wilson thrown for four in his second start, not a good look, right? Like that is something that we have seen – destroy potential star quarterbacks in the history. Just, just throwing it out there. The one, the one caveat I will, I will give to that game. And the one saving grace to the whole thing is it came against a bill Belichick defense and bill Belichick. If you can count on any one thing from bill Belichick is he's going to make your rookie quarterback look foolish. And that's just what he did to uh, Zach Wilson um, it's just one of those games, you know, Zachary, just put it behind you. It's Bill Belichick. That's what he does. It's your second game ever. Like, I, I swear, like Bill Belichick just gets up early the, the, the first Monday after when he knows he's got a rookie quarterback and he just, I don't know, praise whatever pagan God he worships. And that's, that's just what happens. Cause he's just, he's been doing that for years. That's, that's just what a Bill Belichick defense does against a rookie quarterback. So that's not not saying it's great to throw four interceptions, but if you're gonna look for a way to just let it drip off your back and kid continue on with your career, that's that's the one saving grace of the whole thing. So I missed your guys' take on the Thursday night game last week on Friday. What was your take on that? Giants did the Giants, Giants Redskins game. Giants Giants did Giants, man. Yeah. Seriously, the law thing, right? On, on a serious note, right? Like the, there's a couple things. One, unless they get a line, Saquon's career will never be what it could be. Number one, it just won't. Like I don't care how many moves he has, you know, the defenses are way faster than they were 10, 20 years ago, right? And like, as great as he is, it, it's he's got a tough road ahead of him, man, behind that offensive line. Daniel Jones surprised me. He had a pretty good game, right? Like, uh, I like him and Sterling Shepard. I like their I like their energy and their their flow together. Uh, Rudolph is a pretty nice pickup. They just came up short, man. You know, and, and like, 
you can't beat yourself, penalty, right? Penalties, penalties. You can't beat yourself. It, it, the Eagles are in the same boat, man. They had 11 penalties or 12 penalties in week one. They had another nine in week two. Like, you can't do that. <clears throat> you know, like, you can't have momentum shifting penalties. Real quick, keep your thought going, but I'm going to say eight of the 10 penalties were earned the other two. For both teams, your yeah. team and my team. Go ahead yeah. and continue. I mean, and, and that goes back to what we were starting off with this podcast earlier. Like, you're just making horrible calls. And and I, it's not even just the NFL, man. If you watch the NCAA, they're doing the same thing, man. They had some really – I was at the Penn State game on Saturday night. And, like, some of the calls, they got it mixed up that they had Penn State punting on third down. They called it fourth down, should have been third conferred nope it's still fourth like the stands were going nuts right like this guy next to me was like it's not fourth down what the hell you know and that's after six beers yeah and it's just it's just it's it's pitiful that the refereeing of football games is still in question right and, and maybe they need to use instant replay to check themselves a little bit more. You know, I, I don't understand some calls. Now, back to the Giants, you can't go off sides on a field goal, right? You just can't give the guy two chances to make one field goal. You can't do it. You, you knew it was good. You knew that field goal was going to be good. Second. And Heineke, I don't know. He's okay. He's not Gardner Minshew, you know. Uh, but I think he'll hold the fort down until Fitzpatrick can come back. The one thing I would say, and, and I kind of hit on this when we talked about the game on Friday, if I could sum up the Giants game, it was basically what, what when I kind of was like, okay, this is where the Giants are going to lose. It's they They had a big play. Um, I don't even know what the play was, but they had a big play and it was like first and 10 on, it, they were within field goal range. They're on Washington side of the field. After the big play, they had to burn a timeout because they were going to get a delay game. All start. Yeah. They come out of the timeout and it was going to be another, it was going to be a delay game, but the false start got called. And then another false and start. Then, yeah. And then another one. And then Eli Manning got sacked. Danny Jones got got sacked and so they went from first and 10 on like from like the 30 to fourth and whatever from back on their side of the field right and they went from a definite three to nothing and and you just can't have that and just touching on what Mike said I think one of the other things I noticed and this isn't anything against Saquon in particular, but he's right. Defenses got faster. There's that one big run up the – it was like when Saquon ran for 40-something yards up up the one side. And if you watch that replay, Chase Young is literally stride for stride with him. The defensive end is literally just stride for stride with him all the way up the field. It's scary how fast, like, you're – Chase Young is a scary dude. Yeah. I mean, he might be he might be the the outlier right now, but that's where it's going. Like, it's going to be like you you need the big uglies to protect, and unfortunately for the Giants, they just don't have them. I thought Danny Dimes out you know outplayed Heineke. Um, 
but you know, they, they even won the turnover battle. It was, it was a really clean game from that point of view, but uh, yeah, there's just too many errors at the end, you know, and they have that drop touch, that wide open touchdown that they just dropped, um, which would have won the game right there. So, you know, despite everything, they were into the end, but you know, it's just, they, it's for as much as Mike says, the Eagles shot themselves in the foot. The, uh, the giants did it that much more last week. Yeah. That's I will, one of those games I will never post that on the Facebook page. I will never say, the Eagles shot themselves in the foot. I don't want to open up that door for no, Atticus. I mean, here, here's right, the but like, objective discussion. You know, with both teams, you know, Chris said it right. Like, right. both teams had opportunities to win the game and didn't, right? And, and like, is that is that brand newness? Is that new coachness? Is that a combination of the two? Is it, you know, we don't have certain players that we should have focused on putting in pieces together? Like it, it could be, it could be a, a multitude of things, right? But like, I'll go back to what Chris was saying or last week. Like when you look at the NFC East, and the Eagles have Dallas this week, so that's going to be a huge game, right? Why not anybody in the East, right? Chris said, "Why not the Eagles last week after after week one, right? But why not anybody in the East, right? Like." I don't think they're as bad as they were last year collectively. I think they've all improved, you know, but but the ball's going to bounce one way or the other for all four teams. And whoever gets the lucky breaks or, you know, makes the most out of opportunities is going to win that division. Yeah. I think that um, Saquon's problems right now are more mental than it is the offensive line. I think the offensive line has really played a lot better. Uh, in fact, their uh, PFF grades are much improved over where they were a year ago. Definitely on pass pro, on run blocking, they could definitely improve. But a guy like Saquon only needs a little crack to make something happen. But his mental hasn't allowed him to see that crack and move. I think he's afraid of what it might, what may happen, even though the, the trainers have, you know, given him the green light. I think he's still working through some mental stuff. I'll tell you where he is very effective. And a lot of teams have not really keyed in on this yet is they are so hyper-focused on Saquon Barkley in the backfield that is creating RPO options for Danny Dimes in major ways. That is, Phantom holding Cole on CJ board on the left side of the field when Daniel Jones ran 60 yards for a touchdown was unbelievable. Okay. So, and he probably, he ran for 95 yards. He probably, probably really had about 120 yards had it not been for that Cole. The drop pass by, um, Darius Slayton, that was another thing. But I think the Giants' biggest problem boils down to two things. Two things. There's been some coaching blunders too, but the main two reasons are, number one, the defense is playing too soft. They're giving up way too many underneath things, which is translating into touchdowns or or, or converting uh, drives, first downs, whatever the case may be. The second thing is penalties. They're just not disciplined. Like, what the hell are you – Chris said it. How do you have 
two false starts on one drive and not for nothing. If it wasn't for Daniel Jones, they had 10 possessions on offense. Seven of them were scoring drives because of the play of the quarterback position. Because on one of those situations where they were fourth and 15 after being knocked out of field goal range or third and 15, Daniel Jones scrambled for 11 yards to bring them back into field goal range. So he had a, a, a pretty good game, but the defense and the discipline is the biggest problem I think that the Giants face right now. So the one Kirk. question, uh, go ahead. Sorry. No, I said I concur. Yeah. The, the one question I just kind of want to end today's podcast with, um, I talked a little bit about Mike with this before he got on Atticus. There's a guy that had a, uh, a 16 team parlay. Um, and uh, just, just for the, the sake of benefit of anyone who might listen to this podcast, who doesn't know what a parlay is, as opposed to betting on each game individually, uh, parlay is when you bet on a series of things happening. So it can be the outcomes of games. So instead of saying, like, I bet on the Chargers to beat the Cowboys, and then I also bet on the Browns to beat the Texans, you can say I bet on the Chargers being the Cowboys and the Browns being the Texans, meaning both things have to happen for you to win. Um, and you can do it with any number of things. You can say, well, I take the over in this game. This team's going to cover that. This team's going to win outright, blah, 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 blah. And the more parlays, the more bits you add to this to, to this bet, the, the better the outcome. So, dude basically did a 16-team parlay. He basically bet the winner of every game. Put put together a uh, – so on a $25 bet, he could have won 756000 and change, had every team that he said was going to win win. And it came down to he had the Lions beating the um, the Packers as the last game. Had the Lions won, he would have won this whole bet. So my question for you, Atticus – if you came within a Lions over Packers of winning $750,000, what would you have done with the money and how hard would you have cried after, uh, especially after halftime where they were up 17-14? If I would have won the money, what would I have done with it? Yeah. I'd invest it. No. Well, that's boring. (laughs) I, I would. I'd invest. I mean, I might take my wife out somewhere real nice, but... I'm putting that money into something that's going to make me money while I'm sleeping. I mean, it's, uh, it's and, and it is boring, here. but that's, that's me all day. It's magical dining here in Orlando. So you can take her to a nice restaurant for only 30 bucks. My friend, get that, get that appetizer and uh, dessert going. What about you, Lloyd? What, how hard would you cry after being, uh, after being up uh, 17, 14, 30 minutes away from $750,000 just to watch Aaron Rodgers throw four touchdown passes and uh, take your funds away. I might have, uh, I might have swallowed up into a crack smoking hole <laughs> if uh, if that had happened. One, like what 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 prompted me to pick Detroit in the first place? I would have been second guessing that. You were forever. already smoking crack. <laughs> you know, like what happened there? Uh, no, nah, man, it would be it. I, something would be broken. I'd be angry. You probably wouldn't want to see me for weeks. Like it, it would, it would be bad, right? Like that, and I don't even know what prompts somebody to make a sixteen-team parlay to begin with. Let alone, I mean, twenty-five bucks, not a big deal, I guess. You know, like I mean, 20- at that point, that I mean, is it, it that 
they're probably about the same odds as buying $25 worth of lotto tickets for a mega million. So why not? I mean, to me, that's like a, I'm in Vegas. Why not? Sure. I'm just going to bet on every single winner. It's going to cost me 20 bucks. Okay. Like, but aren't there some gimme games? Like, wouldn't the Packers over the Lions been a gimme game? Well, was the one it, thing was it straight up or with the points? No, it was straight up. That's that's just what his parlay was. Every team straight up. Um, and what I don't know, so so I don't know how they calculate. Like, okay, if you if you bet twenty five dollars, you're going to win seven hundred fifty thousand. Part of that's based on who you're picking to win, right? So I don't know. Maybe maybe it just gets to a point where you're like. It, picking the Packers to win costs you $200,000 if it happens. Because you, if you're doing a 16, like, let's be honest. So like $500,000 versus a gimme game? Right. But, you, I mean, you don't really expect to win six – like, okay, just to give you an example. Before every NCAA basketball season, I put $20 on my Ohio Bobcats to win the whole thing. Because usually there's something ridiculous, like 2,001 odds. Well, so it's so like, sure. I think it's just give me an ad. He's ten bucks. <laughs> so I'll throw down a twenty <laughs> like, spot. I'll throw down a twenty spot on the chances that they. I mean, they. You know, one year I did it. They made it all the way to the Sweet Sixteen, and they were like three thousand and one odds. They weren't even projected. They were even projected to have a winning record. So I mean, you know, it's for the fun of it. And I guess my point is, at that point, once you've picked the other fifteen games. Sure. Let's just go for the extra 200,000 at that point. Cause you don't really expect to get to that point. I mean, see, there's I'm a reason why it's a new game. story. There's a reason why ESPN picks up that story going into the game. Cause it's not every day. Someone makes a 16 team parlay and hits on the first 15. So. No, certainly not every day, but there is some science to it. If you're, if you're a better, you follow the sport and you can do research, you can find out who's injured. You know, you can, you know, you could you could dig in to make educated decisions on who's going to win the game. Still not a perfect science, but like you're not just randomly pick. It's not like, hey, Matilda, circle the winners of each game. Right. Like that's not what happens. You know, so like I'm still baffled with the choice straight up in Lambeau, especially. I mean, did he really think that the same Green Bay team was going to show up? That's what had to happen. Had to think that's that the, like, that had to be it. it. It's you know Green Bay's done. They suck. They're going to be terrible this year. Or or I'm maybe happen to be a Detroit Lions fan. And Detroit almost pulled the game out versus San Fran in Week One. And right. And, and golf is balling right now. He so, really is. You know, it's. I mean, maybe it's not that far far of a stretch, but I I still wouldn't pick them. I wouldn't have picked them either. I would have liked seven hundred. I just want to reiterate: I don't know what the difference between picking the Packers in that spot. For, so I'm just saying two hundred thousand dollars, but I'm also completely pulling two hundred thousand dollars out my butt. It could be, it could be up like a seven thousand, seven hundred thousand dollar difference. You know what I'm saying? Like I don't know. A Probably tougher game, Nicole, would have been the Bears versus the Browns this week. That'd have been a tougher game. Right. Not the Lions in a. The I mean, Lions the, the Browns were gonna. The Browns are going to crush them, but, you know. We didn't even talk about the Browns that much. See, my Lloyd said I used to talk about the Browns all the time. Look at look at this. I thought we were going to get out of it. You we talked about Baker's shoulder. Oh, we did. did. Yeah, okay. We, we, spent, we spent more time recapping the Giants game again 
than that we spent talking about the Browns. You guys got more time. I don't know how you fit two podcasts in a week. My schedule is so difficult to do that. Step one, no kids. Step two. <laughs> Mike's got kids. His kids are big. They do, you know, they, they're self-sufficient right now. <laughs> All right, gentlemen. So when, when are we putting together our 16-team parlay? When's that happening? I mean, shit, let's do it. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out. I'm, I'm trying to find if it tells us anywhere if he had picked the Green Bay to win. What 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 he would have won? Yeah. Yeah, what what if it would have went the exact same way if he would have picked? Yeah, I don't I, I don't even know how you go about like I think it's one of those things you have to because it also depends on when he picked them, right? Because as the odds change, you know what I'm saying? So if like he did it at the tail end of week one, the odds might have been different, like, you know, had he done it 20 minutes before kickoff on Sun on Sunday. I actually saw that graphic too when when they put yeah. it up during the game. I didn't know what they were talking about because I don't I don't gamble or bet. When you guys talk about when you guys say are they going to cover, I I just sit here and listen. But <laughs> I I don't know. You know they gave plus that's I mean I I said for anyone who might be listening I was explaining parlays for you because I knew you didn't. Know. I appreciate that. <laughs> And there's no shame in me for not knowing I'm cool with it. It makes you feel better. Like, I, the only reason why I, like, I don't gamble on sports. The only reason why I know the terminology is because it became such a big deal. A few, like, I used to listen to uh, Bill Simmons, and their whole thing was about, like, they had had a whole podcast where they would just sit there and pick what the lines were. And I didn't know what they were talking about. So I just went out and learned what they were talking about so I could follow along that particular podcast. Mm. So that's, that's uh, and that's how you know you're a degenerate gambler when you can like look at two teams and they would accurately predict the Vegas lines. So mm. that, he was, playing, he was playing the odds. What'd you say? He was playing the odds. What do you mean? You know, so the the one seventy five. So it it was straight up, but like he couldn't have even cashed. Like it was a free bet, so there was a lot of things also going on. He wouldn't have won the money. Even if Detroit won. What why not? Why wouldn't he? Because it was a free bet. And there's there's rules behind free bets. Oh, oh so, so he didn't spend $25? No. Nah. It, it was the 25 was probably a uh like, hey, sign up for Bet MGM, we'll give you 25 bucks. That 25 bucks is actually not real money. It's it's like play money, but you can still win. You just don't win as much. So what? Like would you have, have to hit won? a certain level before you win. Um, that'd be hilarious if they paid out. You give that'd be like that's like me like buying Atticus a, like a lotto ticket, like just like a scratch off for his birthday, and he wins like a million bucks. And you're just like awesome. Which, by the way, all I ever ask is if that happens, if you could just pay off my student loans. That's that's really all I'd want out of that exchange. I got you. If I win your, if I win I got your million you. dollars somehow, I appreciate it, my man. <laughs> so, by the way, Lloyd, you, did you just agree won thirty four hundred dollars? I'll take it. I, I'll take. Yeah, well, it's not seven hundred fifty. I mean, the seven hundred. If it was real money, it would have been seven hundred fifty. And if you wanted to hedge the bet going into the game. And taking the odds for Green Bay, 
it would have cost him five hundred eighty thousand dollars to wind up netting a hundred. I'd have did that too. Probably if you had five hundred eighty thousand dollars. Mm -hmm. You know, not everybody's got five hundred eighty grand. I'm pretty around. sure. I'm pretty sure Atticus has five hundred eighty thousand dollars sitting in unused refrigerators in his garage. So either that or just fireworks storage, something like that. <laughs> too. He shot off five hundred thousand dollars worth of fireworks at the barbecue. <laughs> oh man! What's crazy is I've already got a stockpile for the next barbecue. Nice. Can you transport those down to? Cuba? No, 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 no. It won't be to. No, I'm not even trying to do that. I wouldn't you, even do that. You, you I, I think it might I don't be think you're even allowed to light fireworks off of Key West. Yeah. No, this is this would be like a at my house type of deal, like a Fourth of July thing. Gotcha. Do you, do you do you know you know why you can't shoot off fireworks in Key West? You scare the chickens. You can't. There are chickens. There. Uh, have you guys ever been to Key West? You've been to yeah, Key West, Mike, right? A couple times. Yeah, the chickens. You've seen the free-roaming chickens. Yep. That just walk. You can't do anything to the chickens. You can't harass them. You can't tell. You can't even like spook them so they get out of the way of your car. Like for whatever reason, I don't know what the the legend is behind it, but you can't mess with chickens in Key West. Oh, good to know. Yeah. So when we're down there next year, if you see a chicken, just gotta let us do its thing. Can't can't mess with it. Oh. Anyway, so why don't we get why don't we go ahead and get going? It's been a great podcast. Uh, start working on that twenty five team, or I'm sorry, sixteen team twenty five dollar parlay. I, and, I could use that real money. Yeah, I mean twenty five. And, and we should get Andy into this. <laughs> Telling you, I agree. How many times would we have to win to be able to buy the what is it thirty percent of the Chargers? What was it? It was like three mil or something like that. Three hundred. I mean, really? So we just need to we just need to nail it like four weeks in a row, and that's let's do it. Three hundred mil, and we can own San Diego or Los Angeles Chargers. Yo, wow. speaking of which, that SoFi Stadium looks like a looks like a fucking museum. It, it's it's a really nice piece of architecture, man. I like it better. Like the Vegas one, it's just. You know, this it's the Death Star, right? It looks like you're you're coming up to the Death Star, which is kind of cool in its own right. But uh SoFi in Los Angeles is a hell of a stadium, man. Don't know what it's like inside, but well, I will tell you, we're uh um for my work coming up here in October, we're doing a conference in Vegas, and I know one of the nights we're going to, they, they like rented the field at the, whatever, what's the Las Vegas field called? I, I can't remember. Yeah. So we're going to be, we're going to be on the field for that. So I think that'll be pretty cool. So we can, we can do a side-by-side -side comparison. Just one of you guys has to get on the uh, SoFi stadium field. Yeah. Make it happen. Hey, you know what? We went on one of these 25, uh, you know, these 16 team parlays and we'll have the kind of money to do that. We can rent it out for 20 minutes. Oh yeah. <laughs> all right gentlemen it's been fun i'll see you guys on friday 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 got some more picks we got to do it like it's seven o'clock for atticus's bedtime though it's true that is true, true. yeah just let me know ahead of time so that's a good time for me though seven o'clock uh, friday nights yeah Locking saturday we'll, we'll do our picks and uh we'll discuss the three and oh uh panthers just yeah. just as everyone predicted just right. as everyone thought was going to happen all right gentlemen 
Friday, 7 p.m. We'll be talking about this Thursday night fiasco. We'll see how it goes. Then we'll All preview right. some, uh, some, we'll highlight some games. We'll rapid fire some games. It'll be fun. Bring your popcorn. Thank you, Kevin. All right. Good night, Jim. Later. Do you ever disagree with what's said on this podcast? Well, come join us on the Facebook page that started it all. Football Trash Talk for Real Fans. You can let Loy know how much the Eagles suck. Tell Atticus how delusional he is about all New York sports. Remind Chris that the Browns are one of four teams to never reach the Super Bowl. Or even talk about the hottest slot receiver of all time, Randall Cobb. Whatever you do, just don't be a fan of the NFC East. We have enough of that crap already. Come check us out. There's always more room at the barbecue. Anyway, this has been the Football Trash Talk for Real Fans podcast. It's been a pleasure, and as always, FO team. Stay safe out there.